genre. The weekly podcast where we review, discuss, and recap every episode of Doctor Who, one Doctor at a time. I'm Cassandra Fredrickson. I'm Scott Corelli. And I'm Nick Jimenez. And, and I'm Ali Coluccio. Yeah, we have a guest, Ali Coluccio. Um, I guess she's been on Back to the Future Minute before. Welcome. Mm-hmm. Two-time two time champion of Back to the Future Minute. Nice. Woo-hoo. I'm excited to have another lady on here today. Um, and today on the show, we'll be discussing New Earth, which is the 10th Doctor's second story. Yeah. Uh, so New Earth, which is written by good old Russell T and uh, directed by James Hawes. It is the uh, it is part of the first block uh, that that was uh, put together for season two, which included the Christmas invasion and. Um, <clears throat> what's a school reunion? So basically like the best block of season two. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So the idea of this story was that, uh, one Russell T was really interested in writing a sequel to the end of the world, which we just talked about last week. And, uh, he wanted, so we wanted to do a sequel to the end of the world. And this is prior to him, uh, as he was writing, he ended up realizing that he was going to make a trilogy of episodes, which would end with gridlock next season, um, which is sort of like a loose face of bow trilogy, sort mm-hmm. of. Um, so he wrote this and, and the reason he was really excited to write a sequel, but what he was really uh, wanting to do, the reason he wanted to write a sequel was because he wanted to bring back uh, characters from the Christopher Eccleston season into the David Tennant season to basically soothe new who fans into understanding that while it is a new doctor, the show is staying the same. Um, So that's why there's a lot of, you know, repeated characters and things like that, like Harriet Jones and the Christmas invasion and um, stuff like that, just to, just to sort of, you know, uh, make the transition a little easier on everyone because it's the first time that it had happened since, uh, I mean, the movie sort of, yeah, sort of 96, uh, sort of with eighth mm-hmm. doctor, but really even before that with the transition from, uh, six to, to seven back in the eighties. So it had been a really long time since this had ever happened in show, uh, so that was important. And then the other – the only other bit of um, fun background stuff is uh, – well, OK. So there's two things. So one, this episode originally was going to end very differently with the doctor uh, being forced to let all of the patients die because there was no way to save them. Um and it was actually – of all people to save this episode, it was actually Stephen Moffat – who pointed out that Russell T. Davies had a tendency to 
introduce interesting characters and then immediately kill them all off. Um, (laughs) And he was like, yeah. And he was like, he was like, you know, when I did that episode last season where the doctor saved everybody, maybe you could do that sometimes. And uh, so Russell T took his advice and rewrote the ending of this episode. And that's how we got the really great optimistic ending that this episode has. Thanks. And then, yeah. And then the last bit is that uh, the face of Bo had to be the, the puppet had to be reconstructed midway through filming of this episode because uh, Billy Piper's stupid boyfriend broke it. Nice. What? Yep. Wait, how does that work? I don't know. It also, just who says, is Billy Piper's boyfriend? <laughs> I don't know who Billy Piper's boyfriend was at the time either. Um, it was prior to his her first husband. Uh, but yeah, whoever her boyfriend was at the time, he, he came on set and uh, accidentally broke the face of Bo. <laughs> and they had to fix it. Let's just say it was Noel Fielding. <laughs> <laughs> just because. All right. I'm on board for that. Um, I like the idea of Billy Piper like inviting her like stupid like that boyfriend you have when you're in like your mid twenties, and he's like, "Oh, babe, check out his weird face." Oh shit! (laughs) 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 She was basically dating Mickey. You you broke the face of Bo, though. You can't do that. (laughs) I'm (laughs) dying. (laughs) (laughs) I need my gas. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no. Um, so yeah, so that's, uh, that's, that's all there is for, as far as background for New Earth. But, uh, Allie, uh, why don't you tell everybody sort of where you come from with the show? When, when did you first started watching? And, uh, I guess, you know, who's your favorite doctor and, you know, that whole, that whole thing. Where do you come at with the show? Yeah, your whole, your whole thing. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) What's your whole thing? Tell everybody your whole thing. (laughs) it was a cold March day in 1979. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, so I had this episode is actually my first ever Doctor Who episode. Mm. Um, and it was back. I mean, I had a TiVo, but it was before like DVRs were really a thing. Um, and I had seen like flipping through the channels that sci-fi channel was going to have a Battlestar Galactica, ma- Battlestar Galactica marathon. Mm. like on the weekend and I was like oh that's great I have to clean the house and I will watch Battlestar Galactica while I'm cleaning because I've really wanted to see that show um except I got the dates confused and it was the Doctor Who marathon <laughs> 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 um I picked on up I picked up on it pretty quick because <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, that would have been sad if I was like 10 minutes in being like I don't Starbucks in this <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah, so this was uh, so David Tennant is my first Doctor. This was my first episode. It has zombies and cats in it, which are two of my favorite things. Mm-hmm. Um, and zombie cats. And zombie cats. It was yeah, it was everything I could have. And new and new New York. Um, mm-hmm. it, it had a lot of things. It, it already was very much in my wheelhouse, um, and I thought it was a really good introduction. And I watched the rest of the marathon, and I cried because uh, I think they they showed all of season two. Um, oh. except for the Christmas special. And so I cried very, very hard at the end of season two. <laughs> <laughs> when did you eventually go back and watch, uh, the Eccleston season? Um, I forget how long it took me to get my hands on it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but it was like I feel like it was within a month. Okay, yeah. Because like I I watched the entire season in one day. The house did not get cleaned. <laughs> I was just well, not with it. commercials. It didn't. Yeah. Um, I probably could have during the commercial break, but I was like, no. Well, who wants to get up and do something for two minutes and then go sit back down? Exactly, because you're going to miss something. And I was like, I don't want to rewind it. Then I I think at one point I paused it to eat so that I could fast forward through commercials a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, no, I basically just absorbed it the whole, that all in that one day. And then I was like, I need to find season one. Um, And I found season one. And I think actually... Actually, I think Nine might be my favorite Doctor. Well, okay. And Rose, I still think Rose is my favorite companion, but uh, I really do love Donna. Mm-hmm. And I really do love Martha Jones. Mm-hmm. And I love the three of them. They each have really great uh, aspects to them that are really different from each other. Yes. Um, but then they each also have some flaws. Martha's stupid crush is stupid i know it is it's, it's stupid and it's so frustrating and then but it has like such a satisfying ending right that's like, the only redeeming like part that, of it that moment where she leaves the tardis and then she walks back in and she's like look <laughs> yeah i need to tell you all of these things i yeah. am i mean yeah and his, and his reaction to martha is you know when, when he meets donna he's very clearly look I'm, I'm i'm just looking for a mate you know yeah i just uh-huh. want a friend i can't be alone so like can we just not be a thing you know right and, <laughs> and i love her i love all of her reaction to him too is like oh, <laughs> no way space a mate no it's an a a mate <laughs> you want a mate with me don't <laughs> <laughs> go mate with me sunshine <laughs> oh man we got a long time before we get to her but um yeah i'm excited to get there but uh yeah that's uh and so we're we're I guess uh, we should I should ask just so that everyone knows where you're coming from with this with this era. Um, where do you stand with Doctor Who currently? Um, I know the answer to this, and that's why I'm, <laughs> that's why I'm asking. It's, I'm like, it's, um, it's totally fine. It's totally I, fine. I I decided that when Matt Smith bowed out, that maybe it was time for me to also do that. Mm-hmm. Um. I I have I don't have a problem breaking up with shows. Uh-huh. Um I I I think it's good. I think it's healthy. I think when that relationship is like at a point where you're like, "All right, this isn't going to work for either of us. Let's move on." <laughs> uh-huh. I'm, I'm still very happy about my decision to basically stop watching Supernatural after season 5. I mean, I go back. We hook up every once in a while, but like That was like a decade just, ago. Oh my god, it was. Um <laughs> but like that was like a good like period of time. I, I left while I still had fond memories. Um, mm-hmm. I left Doctor Who with less fond memories than when I left Supernatural. <laughs> well, yeah, you, you kind of left. You kind of stopped watching and when it was, I, it's, uh, yeah. I mean, Arguably at its worst. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, and I, I, and I keep thinking maybe I'll go back to the, uh, cause I really love Peter Capaldi as mm-hmm. an actor. I think he's fantastic. Um, and I've seen probably about half of his first season. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, like I've kind of like gone back and like Netflix watched, but I just couldn't. Which ones have you seen? If you don't mind me asking. Um, they like are random ones, or just like the first half. No, I watched. Well, someone had said the Bank Heist episode was really good, and you have to watch that one. So I watched that one, 
And then I went back and I watched every episode from the first Capaldi to the bank heist episode. Okay. And I just, it wasn't, it wasn't doing it for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I just, I, um, what I love about the Davies era, era, sorry, um, is that the it was Davies error. <laughs> the Davies error. Uh, but, I, but what I love about Davies show is it was really character driven. Mm-hmm. Like the companions were like these three dimensional, fully formed characters, and like they had family that was always like pulled in randomly, um, mm-hmm. like Rose and her mom, and Mickey getting tagged along for half of it, and um, Martha's family, and even. And Wilf and Donna's horrible mother. <laughs> um, and so you got to see the companions without the doctor and those relationships really inform who the companion was, too. Like, mm-hmm. I think Donna is very much a product of um, her mother and her upbringing in that household. Same with, same with Rose um, and growing up without a dad and with her mom. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I like that very character driven kind of, um, sci-fi drama mm-hmm. and Stephen Moffat seems to focus mostly on really clever plot twists, um, and intricate building up of plots, which is, I think usually he does them very well. Um, mm-hmm. I just, I never, it took me a really long time to connect with Amy and Rory longer mm-hmm. than it should have. And I never clicked with Clara. Like I never felt like there was enough. I felt like he just made her the impossible girl and he didn't try and give her anything more. And yeah, like we, it, gets, and we, it gets better with Capaldi, but it still just feels kind of tone deaf. Yeah. I mean, we, we sort of agreed about that with Clara. I mean, I, I, I recognize that he was doing, um, this other thing with that character was, which was making her yeah. represent uh, the generic companion for, because he was setting it up for the 50th anniversary and, and was making her sort of like the ultimate companion, um, which was this whole meta thing that he was doing. But, but uh, beyond that, that was, it made her character feel very two dimensional as a result. And you can't give a character a third dimension just by giving them a boyfriend. Like that doesn't, yes. that doesn't really for real. That, yeah. That doesn't really help anything. Um, so, so she still, I, I, I don't think that, I mean, we liked Clara more in, uh, what was that? Eight series eight. Is that right? Oh, I would, I would, I would go so far yes. as to say that I think Clara becomes a, a definitive or if not the definitive new who companion throughout series eight and then definitely in series. Yeah. Nine. It's in nine when she starts being a real character. Um, oh. I, I think because she starts oh, yeah. taking on sort of characteristics of the doctor toward the end of series eight and like and Capaldi then, and Capaldi and, uh, Capaldi and Clara and Jenna Coleman's chemistry is deliciously platonic. Yeah. And then, and then her stuff with, uh, Arya Stark in series nine is just, Oh, it's so, so great. I think I think yeah. I wanted to watch the Arya Stark episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, she's in she's in a few and they're she, they're all really really great yeah. and it ends the Clara story. I think Clara has the best exit of any companion the oh, series has ever done. Definitely yeah. the most like fist pumpy. 
Because mm-hmm. um, when you know, think it's over, it's not over. And then when it is over, you're just like, oh, boy, that was yeah. great. Actually, <laughs> uh, actually Maisie, Maisie Williams is kind of the uh, the bad wolf of Series 9 in a way. She's, a sort, of bit, like, yeah. she's sort of the connective tissue. Mm-hmm. Um, God, now I really wish we were covering 12 Doctor stories. <laughs> we'll eventually get back around to him. When, when he regenerates, we'll start covering his stories again mm-hmm. in this format. But um, – yeah, it's uh I mean, yeah, I I mean, I don't think I don't think any of us blame you for for leaving. I I don't blame anyone who left. I mean, yeah, I mean, we were we, we we came so close. I mean, I personally came so close to dropping the show during the Matt Smith era. Cass um, did drop the show and only came back when I yeah. told her to be a co-host on the show. <laughs> she, was like, she was like, "Okay, <laughs> I guess I'll watch now." No, I stopped I stopped after uh the wedding of River Song, and I was just like, nope. The worst episode, the worst of, the episode the worst, of the series yeah, ever. Yeah, but, like, can you blame me, though? <laughs> no. I, no, I, no. I, I, get, I get so angry um, when I think about the, what drove me the most nuts about the Matt Smith uh, episodes was what happened to River. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. you see her in the two episodes, and she is Space Indiana Jones. Like, that is what she is. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's I don't know what happened. I don't because Moffat wrote those episodes. So like yeah. I was like I, I don't know what happened in between. Because I'm like, how did you like I just, I don't know what he did to her character when he wrote. I her. feel like he well, kept trying to do like she was space uh, she was space Indiana Jones in the first one, but it, it almost felt like he didn't want to do that again, and so he tried to make her like space Danny Ocean the next time we saw her, and then like space this other thing the next time we saw and her. Sometimes, and like, I, space, I, I like, sometimes space Jessica Rabbit. Yeah, right. Yeah. And that, that I think that was where I got really frustrated. I was like, she does not need to be Space Jessica Rabbit. She <laughs> right. is, and I'm very cool with the arc of she's Space Danny Ocean turns into Space Indiana Jones because mm-hmm. I feel like that's a really good character arc. And I get that you're never really going to get. It's actually kind of the arc of actual Indiana Jones. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. <laughs> I'm and, a- like, and I get that with her story always being like we're seeing her and we never see her in a linear fashion that you can't see that character development. But it's yeah, like she doesn't need to be Space Jessica Rabbit. Like she has enough going for her. <laughs> she is amazing. Like I think she's amazingly sexy in this like super competent thief turn. Like because she's just a genius mm-hmm. um, and super competent, which I just think in anyone is very sexy, uh, even when they're a train wreck and other things. Oh yeah, um, I mean you're, I you're, you're definitely you're preaching to the choir because Science um, in the Library is my favorite Doctor Who episode ever. Yeah, um, and I just and I'm like you you just you made this cheap like really we're gonna I mm-hmm. just I think stop I think when it comes to Stephen Moffat it's I don't I think he kind of I think he turned River Song's story into a love story and I just as talented as Stephen Moffat is I don't think he writes romance well it, no especially compared to you know, I mean, the, it's it's interesting because, like, I think Russell T. Davies is better at character stuff than plot stuff, and I think Stephen Moffat. I mean, I I mean, I think the the stories in the Moffat era, like story wise, like run circles around this the, the the Russell T. Davies era, but the the romance and character stuff is kind of lacking as a you know mm-hmm. as opposed to you know the Doctor Who the Russell T. Davies era the stories were kind of A goes to B goes to C and then everyone mm-hmm. laughs. 
but but well, he but just you, he gets he gets distracted by the bright shiny plot things. Sure, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and and he calls himself out all the time as being basically a child uh mentally. So <laughs> it's you know Really? He's, he calls himself a man child? I never would have guessed that. I, I know, I know, right? Um <laughs> I mean that's it's the only kinds of characters that he's ever written uh are man childs. Um Man children? Man children. <laughs> I like man childs because it, it sounds It sounds incorrect. more like what a man child would say. <laughs> yeah, it sounds, it sounds incorrect. It sounds kind of vaguely like uh, it's like something they would say in the Jungle Book. <laughs> yeah, man child. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, anyway, let's yeah, uh, yeah. let's talk I, about New Earth. Um, so I what I I always forget because uh, Christmas Invasion was the Christmas special. Uh, they don't, I always forget that New Earth was the season premiere of mm-hmm. of series two. Uh, until I see the very o- first opening shots, you get those really dramatic close-ups of <laughs> David Tennant as the doctor. And you're just like, oh, look at this guy. Check this guy out. Isn't that cool? Uh, and I, I just, I love that. Uh, it's because because it just instantly breaks the tension after that big dramatic reveal, uh, where the the music starts getting like fun and whimsical and everything. Um, but I, I also there's something about this TARDIS that I really like as an alien spaceship mm-hmm. because there's, there's a bit where, cause it still has, you know, switches and buttons and stuff, but it also has weird stuff. Like in this, in this opening bit, he like reaches into this thing where there's a ball and he just like moves the ball around. And I'm like, that's not, you, that's not how you run a thing on Earth. <laughs> so, like, it just it feels very alien that you're just like, yeah, just reach into this basket and turn this ball thing around. And that that does something. I don't know. <laughs> I, uh, I I love the uh, I love the nine and tens TARDIS. Uh-huh. Like, I, it's and maybe it's because it was my first TARDIS, and then when they redesign, when they change the desktop settings, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's I don't like it. Uh-huh. Um, but I love how organic it looks. Like I love that it looks like there is a tree growing in the middle of all this space stuff. Oh, and if you like move a branch, there's a ball pit that drives the thing. Well, and what I really like about that, and and something I just I. And I shouldn't say what I really – what I like about it that just dawned on me just now uh, is that I like that it's really organic because it's almost as if the doctor has made the TARDIS look that way because it's never looked that way in the classic show. So it's right. almost as if he's made it look that way to remind him of Gallifrey, which doesn't exist anymore. Oh. where kind where of he, my mind there. Yeah, where he's just like – he just like let's put it on like the basic setting and make it really alien looking and let make it look like you know Gallifrey stuff and Gallifrey and stuff and make me remind me of home because this is my only home now because I have no planet to go to. I kind of wish that that was the TARDIS setting when they did, um, the Doctor's wife, the Neil mm-hmm. Gaiman episode. Mm-hmm. I feel like her coming out of that TARDIS would have been like a really cool transition, like something that looked like a living thing. And then it's a person. Yeah. Uh, at least, at least this TARDIS is in that episode. 
Um, this TARDIS interior, it's like a side room or whatever that they end up in, which was, I remember when that moment happened, I was like, Oh God, I missed that TARDIS so much. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I it was just, I straight yeah, up cried. It, was, it was just like an instant, like my heart was like, Oh, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I do really like this TARDIS and I don't, I don't know that I dislike any TARDIS. I think, I think I like a lot of them for different reasons. And, you know, even if the, uh, the first Moffat TARDIS, the, the, the first Matt Smith TARDIS isn't, um, the most TARDIS-y TARDIS, it feels, <laughs> it feels like Matt Smith's doctor. Yeah. Uh, like it, it fits his personality really well. So I like it for that, if nothing else. Um, and I do like it as a design, but I, I really like it as his, uh, his TARDIS. Um, and then I like the current one because it reminds me of the old show, the classic series. And I don't know. But I do I, – I like this and it, it – I think it lasted for exactly as long as it should have. You know, it was around for five years, mm-hmm. um, which is a long time for a TARDIS interior. And I, it's – yeah, it's really great. It feels like going home. Um, it's really it's really nice. Um my first question, I guess, is how long do you guys think that they stayed after Christmas? Because they're not wearing warm clothes and they're all standing outside in England. Oh, true. <laughs> that was the break from when they filmed at Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I'm just uh, I was just wondering, like, like, so they they were there for Christmas and then they just like hang out for like four months. Until Rose's twenty first birthday, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> did we miss? Did we miss? Uh, like, did we miss four months worth of like lodger like David Tennant stories? Like, <laughs> that would have been amazing. No, we missed. We missed two months of awkward. Like, hey, I'm mom. I'm bringing my boyfriend home for Christmas break. Don't walk in on us snogging. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. Uh-huh. I'm not really cool with missing out on that either. I'll be honest. Uh, I feel like I, I, I want to see the point where Jackie goes from "Oh, I don't like you. You don't look like the other one" to hitting on him again. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. That is true. You're. You're. You are <laughs> correct, Nick. I. I do not like uh, Rosen Ten. I am in the minority in that, but I do not like Rosen Ten. Um, I. Uh, yeah. So they leave, and uh, I love the bit where Jackie starts walking away before the TARDIS even disappears, because she can't deal with her daughter, like yeah. going on another trip um, where she might almost die again. Can we talk about uh, uh, Rose and Mickey totally pulling a Rihanna and Drake at the very beginning? <laughs> he's, like, he's like, "I love you. Bye." <laughs> That's like the whole it, it's yeah. just it's. It's so my. It's so gut twistingly awkward. Uh-huh. <laughs> You're just like, bro, get get out of there. Like, and then you just keep standing there watching her go, <laughs> hoping that she'll be like, "Oh, I love you too." <laughs> and it just it's never just happens. Like, like the dog in Futurama, just like the seasons start to oh, change. No. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> That's me. Oh, my oh. heart hurts now. Why would you talk about that episode? Oh man. Walking on oh, sunshine. Um, so yeah, last week there was <laughs> – I was going to say there was some confusion. No. I was confused uh, because I, for some reason, remembered that the Stuart 
from End of the World was the guy that uh, is Cassandra's like manservant in this Chip. episode. Chip. Chip. Right. Um, but it tur- turned out like they're not even the same color. Um, so I. <laughs> yeah, it's not the same actor. I remembered that incorrectly. It's not the same actor either, is it? Man. I don't think so. Okay. Although yeah, I feel like as, they look a lot alike, though. Although, as Billy McCartney pointed out, that actor does return in Doctor Who in the future. Mm hmm. They both kind of look like Stuart from Mad TV. Um, <laughs> they do. Yeah. <laughs> and so I just get them confused, I guess. Even sure. even though their skins are different, completely different colors. <laughs> um, but there you go. Uh, then we get our first shot of uh, New New York as, uh, as the Doctor and Rose come out. And, and Doctor's got the that note. Um, he's got a psychic paper. Is this the first time that we see the psychic paper working on them? Working on our characters oh. and not just... Being a blank I, piece I of paper? No, so. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I. I think it is. It's interesting because I think they just use it to get into places. I don't think it's like message on a side. Yeah, the only I other time I can think of that the psychic paper was used to like send a message was, uh, you know, good old River Song. Um, oh, in River Series Song. Five, I think. I think that was the that's the only other time I remember the psychic paper being used like that. And then I, I think Moffat after that used it a bunch of times like that, but hmm. Well, yeah. it's a, it's a great little it's a great little way to get the episode going where it's like someone writes on his paper, it's all made up. Let's let's do this. Yeah, I I that's true, but I I just I like when the TARDIS just takes him places because that's where he's supposed to be. That was like my that's my favorite part of like the doctor's wife when she's just like, mm-hmm. "No, I I just send you where I know that you need to go because, oh yeah, you know, <laughs> it's my job. <laughs> um, I really like that. Uh, are these the same spider bots from End of the World? Yes. Yes. Okay. She's uh, she's she's branding, so that's good. Um, <laughs> They're the Cassandra bots. Yeah, the Cassandra <laughs> spider bots. Uh, spider bots. Spider bots. Spider bots. Cause spider bots. Cause spider bots. <laughs> <laughs> Into it. <laughs> um, and then speaking of things I'm into, uh, I think my favorite part of this entire story, uh, other than the human Cassandra scene at the end, um, I love the setup payoff of the elevator disinfection because yes. it's just it's just like this fun throwaway thing it's like the one time i think because russell t davies as a writer is often accused of pulling a deus ex machina to solve all of his problems this is one of the few times that you can point to as an example that he clearly set this up and painted it off later as the solution to the problem it's Chekhov's elevator Yes, it's a very, it's a very clearly done, and I really, really like that a lot. And it's done really well because it could have been Chekhov's elevator, but it it was like you know it was like part of the story, and it was like this really fun scene, and you it was just really, it? really yeah, it's memorable. Um, in fact, I I always remember them being disinfected. And I rarely remember that that's the solution to the problem at the end um, when I'm rewatching the the story. I think the sign of good, good screenwriting is 
when you're setting things up, but the audience just remembers it because of what it is. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I think so many times, you know, when you, if you watch kind of a, 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 a lesser made movie, you can kind of like, oh, this is clearly going to come back later. But like, you know, if, if, if the audience feels like they remembered it just because it mattered to them and then it pays off, it kind of feels like they're being rewarded for being invested in your story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so the doctor goes up to floor 26 and uh, Rose goes down to the uh, to the basement or something. Um, some floor down below. Where uh, Chip is waiting for her and knows her name, and she just like Rose is like, uh uh-uh, uh, and just grabs like a heavy stick and was like, nope, you're not supposed to know my name. This is this is all bad. I just I love her just like walking through the basement and it being really like creepy, and she's just like, I'm gonna hold on to this piece of pipe. Yeah, I've seen this horror movie. Yeah, this guy's going down if he has to. I don't care. Um, I, I, then we see that Cassandra video playing on a projection screen, which this is the year, like right. five, five, bil- billion? five billion, is that yeah. five billion? Sure. And it, for some reason she has her home video shot on 16 millimeter or eight millimeter. <laughs> I just, well, I they love- got it. They got it from the same place where she got the jukebox in uh, yeah, the end of the world. Right. She probably <laughs> she probably would have called it like a like a like a camcorder or something, and it's a <laughs> sixteen millimeter camera. Um, I love that. Uh, I just I love that detail of her always getting things wrong and having really old stuff. Um, I just I love that. Although although you know when you're in the year five billion, it's old is pretty relative at that point. Um, yeah. Uh, but uh yeah so uh the joke about cassandra talking out of her ass um is pretty great <laughs> i and love another one oh i was i just love the cassandra rose dynamic mm-hmm. it's so wonderful i just it's great at the end of the world and i just love getting to see it's funny because when i saw this i had not seen the end of the world. It's called the end of the world, right? Right. We're, how how excited were you to watch when you and got to like, end of the oh world? God, and Cassandra yeah. came, showed up. It was so great. I was like, now I know why they hate each other. This is fantastic. She's a bitchy trampoline. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, the best. Um, what were you going to say, Nick? I was going to say they kind of do the same joke twice, where it's like, I'm about to say a bad word. Now we're going to edit to a word that sounds like the naughty word. And it's <laughs> like it, 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 it's a family it's show, like, Nick. Yeah, yeah. It, it's just very, <laughs> it's just very family movie jokey. Yeah, uh, or network TV jokey, or yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh one one thing that I really love about this, like one, um, Russell T promised uh, promised Billy Piper that she would get to do comedy. This season, because last season she didn't really get to do comedy. Uh, and so he wrote this story where she got to play Cassandra um, for – because she she basically requested to do comedy. And I really think Billy Piper knocks it out of the park. I mean I think 
I think everyone was really impressed with her as a companion for season one. But I think that this story is the thing that sort of cements her as an actress because she's not just playing Rose. She's now she's playing Cassandra uh, and is completely different. And, you know, up to this point, she was the Britney Spears of England. Uh, and she was the companion on Doctor Who. And everyone was like, what? <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why is this happening? Uh, and, and she was really good in, in series one. But I think this story, I, I mean, I had no connection to her as a pop star whatsoever. Uh, but I remember watching this and just being like, wow, she's like a completely different character um, in really and making really interesting character choices, like acting choices, like mm -hmm. constantly touching herself because she's like enamored with this new body. Uh, and she, so she's like, just constantly like playing with like b bits of herself. Like she'll just be like rubbing her arm or one her my, shoulder one or of like my favorite lines in anything ever is what she says. It's like being in a bouncy castle, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's true. Like she's always like, look at my butt, look at my boobs. I have a body. This is amazing. What do I do with my arms? Yeah. Yeah. But even when she's just like – even when she went, goes up to the 26th floor, she walks onto the floor and she's walking toward the doctor and she's just sort of like rubbing her hair and like her – like mm -hmm. rubbing her, her her hips and just like just touching all over herself because she just can't help it. It's like having a new toy um, and I, I just – I or like having like a – having like a canker sore in your mouth and you can't stop poking it, you know? <laughs> Uh, and I just – I really like that as a performance choice because, you know, you see lots of like body swapping things. And usually when they swap bodies, the people are abnormally chill about it after like the right. initial moment. Yeah. <laughs> they just start like walking around like everything's normal and it's like, OK, no, this would be really weird. You wouldn't know how to walk in this body. Like everything would be different and – uh like, I'm surprised Cassandra even remembers how to walk, right. to be honest. Because yeah. who knows how long it's been since she's had legs. Oh, well, I'm just, yeah, I'm I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't. kind of learned how to walk pretty quickly, right? <laughs> Did she? That's true. I, yeah, how I mean, old, I guess. How well, old is she again? I don't know. I'm not totally sure. Let me see if I can find information on this. I would assume Talk minimum, minimum she's like a thousand. A thousand? Minimum. Yeah. Like I'm like I'm like, is she like a millennia old? A millennia? Oh, man. There's a great moment uh, and not not to step away from Cassandra, but um there's a moment where uh, the doctor is um talking to one of the cat nurses and the cat it's like the cat nurse's job to take care of the face of Bo. And, oh yeah. Um, like all the mist things. Yeah. And there's this the part where novels. he's like, like, Oh, he's been singing this ancient song to me in my head. And I was like, Oh, ancient song. I was like, wait, it's like the year 5 billion. Like what, like what's an ancient song. And then I just imagine the face of Bo with his psychic powers is being like uptown, funk you up. Uptown. <laughs> <laughs> Also, I'm just realizing now that like Cassandra and the face, like Cassandra could be face of Bo old. Like she, basically, that's the, in Russell T Davies' five billion 
years in the future, everyone just turns into a face. Yeah, she she is apparently she is a hundred million years old. What? What? She was born in the year uh, four point four point nine. So like it, that would have been four so four four billion nine hundred million. Years four, is that BC yeah. or is that like just? I I don't know. We're, <laughs> I mean, we're because we're, we're in fucking like, year five billion in New Earth. And so she was born in the year four, four billion nine hundred million. You know, it kind of reminds me of uh, a, a recently uh, a Brian Fuller, the, uh, the the television writer and producer, was giving like a uh, a panel discussion about his upcoming uh, Star Trek show, Star Trek Discovery. And um, Star Trek Discovery takes place like what, like a decade before Kirk joined Starfleet? Is that what they said? Um, yeah, I think so. And it's so interesting because they were like, well, why not have it take place like post Deep Space Nine or like post Voyager? And he was like, well, because at that point, you know, like, I don't even know if we would recognize ourselves as humans anymore if we get that further into the future. And it's so interesting that in Doctor, you know, and, and maybe this calls back to Russell T. Davies is like childlike version of science fiction. But it's like, it's the year five billion and twelve. And like, I don't even no, we have physical bodies by the year five. <laughs> like we'd probably just be like consciousness in some sort of like weird like Wi-Fi ocean or something. You know what I mean? Or face trampolines. Or face or, trampolines. Or or constantly swapping bodies between uh, three characters. Um, yeah, I I so so the the rose the rose slash Cass the Cass Rose kissing the Doctor is a really interesting moment to me because oh, I bet it is. Well, well, the, <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's interesting to me because David Tennant's doctor was, you know, accused of being like the, the snog doctor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the snog usually doctor. the, yeah, usually <laughs> the, the, thing that they always point to is girl in the fireplace as being like oh this was the this was the time when he started like just like kissing random girls um i feel like i mean no one ever talks about this moment does he i don't think he initiates though does he like ever no he doesn't at all like she is it's a it's a cassandra thing no no i mean because that i mean like aside from this one like going forward does he ever no never Ne- never, but no one ever sees that. It's just – it's a lot of angry male nerds that are angry that their doctor's being not so asexual. That their doctor is yeah. pretty. <laughs> yeah, and not, and not being asexual yeah. like they well, yeah, are. Well because, well, because the doctor is now attractive to the female sex, the, those viewers can't relate to him anymore. Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, Come at me. <laughs> yeah, they just – they don't – they want a doctor who just doesn't even – recognize that that's a thing that people do i think well now they have 12 and it's and it and and to their and to that side of, to the credit of not them but that version of the character is like i i, I love how unsexual 12 is and oh, like we kind of just have this thing with river well i mean but that's his wife bro <laughs> <laughs> okay i mean is, <laughs> he, can is she get it. he just doesn't you know get no. it all the time is, is she his wife though because if we're talking about the wedding of River Song, oh. I I mean I don't want to talk uh, about it. Let's so. not. Yeah. Let's not. Let's all be happier people and just not talk about it. <laughs> hey, I will not be one of those cafeteria Catholics that only like you know believes in like 
parts of the. I mean, it's it's it, if it it's 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 in the it's canon. I hate it, but it's canon. <laughs> but it's not. That wasn't a real wedding. I, I like, don't know what that. I was. like their. I like their relationship. I like her as his wife. I just. I I buy the her as his wife. I just we didn't need to see that wedding. No one no. needs a videographer at their wedding, including them. And also, wasn't there like there was like a weird eyeball thing? Like, didn't would, she technically marry a robot? Yeah. Oh, yeah also, I would just she she either she either technically married a robot or she technically married a robot full of little people. Um. So oh she's like God. married to like a whole town worth of little people. It's like it's yeah, like it was, in Gravity Falls with the gnomes trying to get Mabel. Yeah, right. that's exactly what it is. <laughs> Except yeah. that it's better when the gnomes do it. Uh, yeah, I just <laughs> that, I think so I would have preferred if if somehow like River had just like shown up and just been like, "Got our marriage license, we're married now," and the doctor's like, "What? <laughs> what up?" <laughs> and, and just and like we that was it. That was the whole thing. And yeah, I just I would have preferred that. But I, I think ten is just the most. Social, the least socially awkward of the new doctors. That's true. Mm, yes, he does. Occasionally, they do a thing where, like, he's like they try to do it a couple times where he's rude. Like that's his new thing is he's rude. Mm-hmm. Except I don't think they do it very often. Like there's that one scene. I think it's in Fear Her where like he's eating. <laughs> he pulls like the peanut butter out of their fridge and is like eating it with his hands out of the jar. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh yeah, that's right. He was supposed to do weird things like that. <laughs> right. And then like Eleven was sort of more like that guy that you knew that a bunch of girls had crushes on, but he was just completely unaware of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Um so yeah, so then we get the uh we get the disease zombies or the sick zombies or whatever. They're in their little their little Borg tanks. Yeah, they're and, like they're uh, like zombie clones. Yeah, and uh, they're Clone like full me, of diseases. They're just they're they're more disease than man now. Um, and uh, it's like walking. They're down with the sickness, Scott. They are down with the <laughs> sickness. Do, the the thing that that drove me nuts about this episode when I was watching it is how they're in New York. And New York's a very diverse population. I would not bat an eye with like a person or two with a British accent in New York, mm-hmm. but like everyone has it. Well, I mean, that's, well, just, I think that, even that's the mayor. Through. I mean, people have British accents when they go to Pompeii. Yeah. I think, I think, I, I think, I think the main problem here is that new New York is they're They're probably not speaking English. And as we know, non-English filtered through the TARDIS turns into a British accent for some reason. <laughs> So that's probably what's going on. I'm not sure that. Also, remember when we experiment. Also, remember when this show had New York accents? Remember how great that was? Oh my god! <laughs> Shut up your face, James. James Garfield. What's Spider Man? Andrew Garfield. I was going to say Spider Man Garfield. Uh, Garfield. Andrew Garfield with his terrible. Oh, he's got like the weird Kentucky accent. Yeah. Well, I mean, as There's we all know from the Spider Man, Andrew Garfield has an amazing New York accent. Mm. Yes. Hey, on me. I'm doing laundry. <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, he's in a. There's a. I just saw the trailer for the new. Uh, this new uh, Mel Gibson film called Hacksaw Ridge, 
And uh, it's actually Andrew Garfield using a, a southern accent again. It actually looks really good. Hmm. Andrew Garfield. He, he plays a, a World War a true story about a World War II soldier who joined the the military but was a pacifist. And he was a nurse in the army and he he saved a bunch of lives and he never fired a single bullet. Hmm. That's cool. Just like the doctor. Just like the doctor. <laughs> uh, you can kill so a lot yes. of people without firing a bullet, Scott. As we did <laughs> from the doctor. So, uh, basically, while this whole Cassandra Rose thing is happening, uh, the doctor uncovers a conspiracy where the cat nurses, cat nun nurses, nurse cat nuns? I don't know. Uh, are they are... They're they're using these sick people to make all of these cures for rich people, and so rich people are getting diseases that they should be dying from, but they're they're being cured from them and, and cured uh, at an expedited rate, right? Ooh. And the doctor's like, "Hmm, not cool. I don't like this." When because as you know, the doctor is all about people dying when they're supposed to. Um, <laughs> I don't. I'm want sorry. To you should be dead. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to go. Oh man! Um, I like to pretend those episodes don't exist. Great. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I. I, I like kind to- of wish he regenerated. Not that I don't love the episodes after, but I kind of wish he regenerated in the one where, like, he regenerates from his hand. Mm-hmm. Or the Doc, Donna's last episode. Yeah. No, he does a regeneration. We've talked about that before, about how if that had been the the moment when Matt Smith had become the doctor, no one would have saw it coming and it would have been the most incredible regeneration of all time. Oh, yeah. Because it just would have been like, what? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I I remember watching that uh, when it aired and just being – I I was in a state of shock for for a, a full week until the next part because I had of, no idea. All of Britain was uh, was on the edge of their seat for that. Whole oh week. my god, yeah. amazing! So so, uh, so yeah. So the doctor has a real problem with people extending their lives unnaturally, um, <laughs> and um, <laughs> and. Uh, yeah, so then uh he wants to wants to break this down and then and then uh Rose Cassandra is like, "No, I'm going to break it down and I'm going to I'm going to use this information to uh get money out of them." And the cats are like uh, and so she locks the doctor in one of those bins and then the cats are like, "LOL, we're not going to listen to you cuz we have claws, I guess." And uh it's it's a really <laughs> cheesy moment. Yeah. <laughs> The the claws thing is a really cheesy moment, and it's the sort of thing where when I was watching it originally, I'd always roll my eyes at moments like that, and it would be the moments where when I was showing the show to other people, I would always be like embarrassed slash apologetic of like moments like that. But now, <laughs> you know, 10 years later – I watch these moments and I'm just like, huh, Russell C. Davies era. Like, and it's just, <laughs> you just kind of like smile to yourself and be like, yeah. Um, it's just one of those things. Uh, but yeah, so she, uh, she threatens her with her claws and then she, op- uh, Cassandra opens all of the bins with the zombies, sick people, the down with the sick, sickies, the down with the sickies. Um, 
and, and the uh, the cats get attacked by the down with the sickies, and they start hissing, hissing at them and stuff, and it's pretty great. Uh, I really like the the, the cat woman like hissing and acting like cats. That's that's really awesome. Um, and then uh, and then the doctor leads them all to the elevator payoff and cures them, and they all touch each other and get better. <laughs> It's like it's like the ending of it. Yeah, it's really great. They have great. to like hug. Everyone needs to hug. Yeah, and then face of and then face of Bo is just like, "Hey, doctor, I have a mystery to tell you." Oh, really? Yeah. Bye. Out. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is textbook enigmatic. <laughs> yeah. Town, funk you up. Let me out. Let me out. This is not a dance. <laughs> One thing that I, I really do like about this is we get a little bit of um, Time Lord Victorious in mm-hmm. his attitude. Like, you know, he's like that line about how he's the highest authority. And it's like, really? Are you really? I guess maybe. But I like that he just like hits the ground running and that's kind of they set it up really early on in his story. Hmm. Well, and what's what's interesting is that originally uh, the the face of Bo reveal was going to be the you're, you are not alone secret. He was going to tell him in this episode. What? Yeah, and uh, and and Russell T was like, "Oh, let's let's stretch this out a little bit longer. Let's let's save it." Uh, and so they went and reshot uh, the uh, the 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 him being Audi five thousand. Um, <laughs> yeah, which is which is say something like actually, actually I take, the third time for the last time or like <laughs> yeah. i take it back they probably didn't reshoot anything they probably just because you know he's a puppet so he doesn't he's not actually talking yeah um, so they probably just <laughs> like yeah yeah they just redubbed it and then like <laughs> made him disappear with computers keep um, boyfriend away from my yeah. <laughs> They probably just had to reshoot it with like a plate or whatever. That's probably what the reshoot was. Um, I'm Jack Hawkins. And then I really like earlier in the episode when Cassandra's watching that 16 millimeter footage of her at the party and she was like, this was the last time that I was called beautiful. And the reveal that she was the person who was the last person to call herself beautiful. Like that whole time loop because. <laughs> oh, Cass- but I, I cry at that. No, no, it's, it's perfect oh, because Cassandra doesn't love anyone more than she loves herself. Yeah. So the fact yeah. that she's mourning her own death is perfect. It's yeah. perfect for that character. It's beautiful. Um, I, I love that. She was there for herself. And it's what's, what's really, <laughs> what's really funny is, and something that I didn't realize until watching it this time was that this is sort of a thematic sequel to Father's Day from, uh, from series one. Whoa. It's about saying goodbye to someone you love. Yeah. <laughs> it's about being there for the person being you love the most when they die. <laughs> Man. Yeah. Really weird. Huh. Yeah. Um, but I, I love that, that as the end of Cassandra and it's you think that in a doctor's final moments that like the other versions of themselves are just like ushering them into 
like extinction or like whatever whatever happens to like that particular consciousness. You know what I mean? No, oh, they did that with know. the fourth doctor. Oh, they did. Yeah. Well, in the form of like a, a like creepy a mummy. mummy cocoon man. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. Well, talk about William Barlow like that. Like a mummy cocoon man, and and they were like, oh, it's the it's the, the thing. watcher. Dun, dun, it's dun. the watcher. And then you look up stuff later, and it was like the watcher was a the physical embodiment of the three doctors before him. And I was like, I, I'm pretty sure it was just a mummy cocoon man. I don't. <laughs> and then they like understand. morph, and then they turn into Davison. It's really weird. Yeah, they they like merge together. And fourth doctor has a cocoon on his face, and then he, the cocoon fades, and then he's Peter Davison. That was weird. That was a weird. <laughs> I mean, I really a little special that. effects in that. Not, not to spoil anything, <laughs> but I, I really like the reveal of what actually happens to Time Lords, like when they die, that we learn about in uh, in Heaven Sent or Hellbent, like that arc. Uh-huh. That's I just think that's so fascinating. Oh, the, the whole that whole. If you don't watch anything else, Allie. Uh, mm-hmm. From the new season, the three-part finale of of series face, nine, face the Raven, Heaven Sent, and Hellbent. Oh my god, just, those just were the best the show's ever been. I, I think the the thing that I'm most mad about with those episodes is that Moffat didn't leave the show with those episodes. Because if he had left the show with those episodes, he would have been redeemed as a showrunner. It, it, now like, he has a whole other season to screw up, and I'm yeah. I'm scared. It, it, oh, it's <laughs> gonna happen. It's gonna yeah. happen. It's kind oh, of yeah. gonna be. It's. I. I feel like he will somehow write himself into the show and have that David Tennant. I don't want to go moment. Oh yeah, actually, actually, <laughs> there will be a meta version of of Stephen Moffat doing that, which drives me up a wall because he made a joke about it in the 50th anniversary. Well, actually, he's gone out of his way to say that um, he doesn't want to make a big to do out of his his final episode. That it is just going to be. Like the end just of just another season. episode. Yeah. See, I don't buy it. I don't buy okay. it. <laughs> That's fair. Well, I'm very jaded see. when it comes to Stephen Moffat now. I apologize. Well, yeah, no, we'll find no out. one blames yeah. you for that. No one blames you for that. Um, he, uh, I think he's learned a lot of his lessons. I, I, I just think that he wasn't quick about it. Because at first, I think he was mad about it, about people telling him what to do. Yeah. And then I think eventually he was like, Oh, maybe they are right. And then he started making changes, but not <laughs> being showy about it, uh, like kind of begrudgingly making changes. But uh, I, I do think that all of the people like you, Allie, and, and like Cassandra when she quit, who went out of the way to be like, what the hell happened to Moffat? I think I think it really affected the guy in like a fundamental way that is going to make him a better writer on the other side of Doctor Who. Hmm. Yeah. It's really interesting watching him grow these past few seasons. Like, cause Literally he like grow as a, as a writer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And a, like a, a person too. It's ridiculous, but at um, like, at like 55 or however yeah. old he is. I mean, man, it's, cra- but- it's crazy. <laughs> but, um, yeah. So, uh, is, is what you, love about this story Allie because when when I when when you were on Back to the Future the last time you were you were like what are you guys covering this story <laughs> I was like oh actually pretty soon so what is it about this story other than it being the first story you ever saw what is it about this story that uh you're connected to so much I don't know I don't and I don't think it's 
the story aside from like the cats and the nuns and the zombies. And I do really love the elevator ending. Um, there's a lot of, I love the, I mean, and I'm a sucker for like when they do it on the CW where it's like, it's an evil version of like the character. Um, I love the, the body swapping. Mm-hmm. I love the physical comedy of the body swapping. Like I love Rose and the way that like, you know, the bouncy castle and the way that like she's constantly touching her hair. And I love what happens. I love what David Tennant does when Cassandra jumps into the doctor. You know, it's really, it's, I think it's really interesting that they chose to do that in his very first ep- like full yeah. episode as the doctor. Yeah. I mean, he's, it's a, you're being introduced to the doctor. I mean, especially for me, I'm like, I'm literally being introduced, introduced to the doctor in this episode. And he spends like a quarter of the time as somebody else. Yeah. Um, but I just, I love watching. I, lo- I loved watching that. There's also a lot of, I, and I don't know, there's a, there's a lot of visuals that I really like. I love when, like, I love like the insanely bright colors of all of the IV bags. Mm-hmm. They look like, like freeze pops. Basically, yes, they look like <laughs> melted freeze pops. That is, I was like, it's freeze pops, and they're just so bright, and um, especially against like how white and shiny the um, the hospital is. And I feel like they use like this weird like lens on the camera that kind of makes it look like a rap video, like an early two thousands rap video, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, where every like the colors are just really saturated and like like even when they first land and it's the apple grass and mm-hmm. everything is just kind of all of the colors, the entire world is kind of just amped up to like eleven in a way that I don't think, no pun intended, uh, <laughs> in in a way that I don't think they really do any other time. Like, it's just such bright, fun, hopeful sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's so much, I mean, like, it, it could have very easily been a dystopian kind of thing. Like, they're literally growing clones so that they can give them diseases so that they can find cures for them. Just like, super dystopian sci-fi mm-hmm. um, yeah. and, and it's not at all the way that they went with it. And it's uh, I like it in the same reason I love just this once everybody lives. Mm-hmm. I think that's well, it. And it's sort of a, uh, it, it, I think it's uh tenet's performance in the scene where he discovers the pod that sort of does ground it to where it doesn't become mm-hmm. too farcy and too wacky. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so it, 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 it like, you know, cause it is, very disturbing uh, revelation and you yeah. know it it um, I'm, I'm happy that he kind of knew to play that grounded as opposed to like gallant and flippy he, he is it's like it, that it's that little bit of the scary doctor um but yeah it's just so good and so cats. uh <laughs> is there uh is there another episode that you'd like to guest on in the future oh man um i'm trying to think if any of them are uh, ooh, because it is. It's probably. Oh wait, no, it's probably not coming up for a really long time. I love Donna's first episode uh, as a com- as a sort of companion. The oh. Runaway Bride or Partners in Crime? Partners in Crime. Mm-hmm. I really adipose. With the adipose, I just love adorable, weird aliens. Which the uh, we haven't we didn't talk about her, but the the angry boss lady in this story actually is a lot like the angry boss lady in Partners in Crime. 
Oh, you're yes. right. Oh my god. Yes, who's also a lot like uh who has a very similar aesthetic to uh Missy. Yeah. As well. Yeah. Um Interesting. But, yeah, I forgot about the boss. You know, Missy was, um, in, uh, was in the Lego games. Really? Missy was, yeah. Yeah, I just oh, found that out the other day. Like, actually, like, they actually got Melissa Gomez to, like, come in and voice Missy. Yeah, just like they got Peter Capaldi to do the Doctor. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. I was just thinking about this because we were just talking about how it's his first full story as the Doctor and he spends so much of it not being the Doctor. Do you think they did that on purpose? Like... Here's the doctor, and then we're going to take him away. And then whenever he finally comes back to his body, he's like, oh, thank God, the doctor's back. To kind of, like, transition people. <laughs> it oh, could maybe. be. It makes you, it, it like, oh, forces you, you to be happy to him. see the doctor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, like, yeah. Christmas Invasion, he's he's asleep the whole time. But, right. I mean, it is kind of a weird choice, but I think it makes sense in a way to, like, transition people. Because it's like, hey, I see you missed this guy. It's the same guy. Let's go. That makes a lot of sense to me. Woohoo! Yeah, I like that a lot. It's it's like tricky in a way that I I think Russell T would think to do. Yeah, and it it is yeah. very Russell T. Yeah. Um. It's, yeah. It's never occurred to me before. Yeah, that's I'll that's actually to. good. Because I've always I've always wondered that I have always thought it was a weird choice mm-hmm. uh, for his for his first full episode, but that makes a lot of sense to me. Plus, it kind of shows off. It gets to sh- they both of the actors get to show off their range, like their acting range. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it almost feels like it almost feels like the writer. It almost feels like Russell T Davies and the director are like taking the new car after a joyride. You know, like we'll, let, let's see yeah. what this baby can do. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it is. It's a, it's a very acting heavy episode. Mm-hmm. Like it, it really relies on um, on the active the the acting capabilities of David Tennant and Billy Piper, and the New like York the physical New comedy part of it too. Mm-hmm. The, also, uh, unrelated. Yeah. Um, if you if you do need someone for uh, the Doctor dances, okay. Uh, that that two part London Blitz. All right. Introduction of Captain Jack Harkness extravaganza. Fair enough. Uh, we'll we'll be coming up. I mean, that'll be that'll still be a little while before we get to that. But what's after uh, this? What, what 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 comes after New Earth? In Tenth Doctor? Yeah, Tooth and Claw. Yeah, Tooth and, tooth and Claw. claw. Yeah. Oh, Werewolf. Yeah, I watched the uh, watched the trailer for Tooth and Claw at the end of this episode. I was just like, hmm. I remember not loving that episode, and it is. That I'm just episode realizing, is so weird. There yeah, are love Tooth and Claw. There's I, like, oh, oh, I, I like it. It's there's kung fu fun. monks and werewolves. Like, what do those yeah. things have to do with each other? It's, you know what? It's, it's Queen, and Queen also, Victoria. <laughs> yes, it's Queen Victoria, and then trying to get her to say, "I am not abused." Yeah, that's the running gag. It's David Tennant with his beautiful Scottish accent, uh, which makes me happy. Oh yeah. Uh, the phrase "we beastie" is yeah. used, which I love. There's a werewolf. There's the whole, we're in a library, like, these are all the weapons you need. Mm -hmm. Um, It's very much a doctor not using, you know, not killing, like, purposely Mm -hmm. not killing or not maiming or not harming. There's a giant telescope. Clearly, Tooth and Claw is one. (laughs) It's one that I don't remember a lot, I guess. Uh, And and so it's, it'll be interesting to revisit. And I think it's, there's a, there's a bad wolf callback in there. 
Mm-hmm. And yeah, and your first, I think it's our first instance of the of Torchwood. I think yeah, not. Torchwood. Yeah, it's the founding of Torchwood. Yeah, they're on the Torchwood estate. Oh right, right. That's yeah. interesting. You that that's the Torchwood one that because it's you an don't... anagram for Doctor Who. Right. Yes. <laughs> it's interesting that that's the one that you aren't like that you're super fuzzy about because like New Earth is that one for me because I always forget it oh. exists and then it's like oh yeah oh I've seen. I've seen New Earth so many times. I think because the end wow. of the world is just more iconic to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this is this is like a quieter follow up kind of thing. I've I've seen End of the World, New Earth, and Gridlock. I, I mean, I've seen those three episodes a lot because mm-hmm. I they're like comfort episodes yeah. to me. I really like Gridlock. I just don't. I mean, I like this one too, but it's not. It doesn't really stick out as much to me as mm-hmm. the the end, the bookends of the trilogy, right? That makes sense. Yeah. Um. So yeah, Tooth and Claw is the next one for this, and then, uh, <laughs> uh. But that'll be you know at the end of our next our next round of uh, episodes. Uh, next week we'll be covering the Beast Below. Yeah.